Hello and welcome to the CSF March monthly podcast brief. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you back. As you know, these podcasts aim to keep you up to date with the latest in the field of rheumatology. I want to start, however, with a really sad note, and that is to remark upon the outstanding contribution of our friend, colleague and steering committee member, Professor Anka Katrina. Uh, Anka sadly passed away recently. She has been an extraordinary contributor in the field of rheumatology and, of course, has been a very important and much beloved part of our CSF community to her professional colleagues and especially to her family. Our sincere condolences. Well, this month we've uploaded five papers to the slide library, including long-term follow-up and real-world data. And today I'm going to review two of those papers looking at very different kinds of outcomes from two, what I think are really very interesting papers. The first considers uh, bone outcomes after one year of tofacitinib therapy, and the second paper um, speaks to real-world patient-reported outcomes in which PROs, um, the, the patients consider to be most important. Kind of important question, I think, all things considered. So the first paper comes from Hammer and colleagues. It discusses the effects of one-year tofacitinib therapy on bone metabolism in people with rheumatoid arthritis. I think you're very, very familiar with the idea that there is an association between rheumatoid and osteoporosis. And some patients with RA have been shown to have low bone mineral density compared to healthy controls. But there's actually quite little information available as to how tofacitinib affects bone status, um, particularly thinking about volumetric bone mineral density and bone turnover markers. So this study assessed the effects of one-year tofacitinib therapy on bone metabolism. Uh, patients uh, needed uh, therapy, for example, the, the use of a target synthetic DMARD were consecutively recruited, in which the patients were then randomized to receive tofacitinib 5 milligrams BID or 10 milligrams BID. The latter is not an approved dose, obviously. Uh, clinical assessment was determined by DAS28 after 6 and 12 months. Aerial and volumetric BMD was determined by DEX examination, peripheral QCT respectively, and for laboratory measures, it included CRP, rheumatoid factor, and anti-CCP levels. Now, the bone biomarkers were several fold and included serum levels of sclerostin, um, OC, P1NP, DKK1, OPG, Rankle, and 25-hydroxyvitamin D3. Well, the key results, for the effects of tofacitinib therapy on aerial BMD, there were no differences between baseline and 12-month BMD in the full cohort, as well as in the 5 milligram and 10 milligram BID subsets. Now, looking at the effects of tofacitinib therapy on volumetric bone mineral density, total trabecular and cortical volumetric BMD determined by QCT was unchanged from baseline to 12 months in the full 5 milligram and 10 milligram BID groups. Now for bone biomarkers, serum OC increased after six months compared to baseline, but non-significantly after 12 months. CDX decreased after six months and 12 months versus baseline in the full cohort, and after six and 12 months in the 10 milligram BID subset. Tofacitinib increased OPG levels after six and 12 months, and serum vitamin D3 increased after six months and 12 months. As for multivariate analysis, it confirmed negative associations between bone mineral density and laboratory biomarkers. Well, what do we take from this? Well, prospective study, yep, assessing bone status, interesting aerial volumetric bone mineral density and bone biomarkers in people with rheumatoid arthritis undergoing tofacitinib therapy. Uh, I think that's probably of interest to us. It shows one-year tofacitinib treatment has stabilized BMD changes in, in RA patients. We'd need to do a bigger study with larger numbers to be really confident of that. 
Um, but the one-year data uh, suggests positive balance of bone turnover as indicated by bone biomarkers, and that's encouraging. But we do, as I say, need further studies to evaluate the potential beneficial effects of JAK inhibitors on inflammatory bone loss. Okay, well, let's turn to the second paper from Noel and colleagues, which discusses which PROs patients with RMD consider most important to track their disease management. Which is, I've always found this a difficult area. So this I thought was quite an intriguing paper. So PROs are used alongside clinical measures to track symptoms and across disease activity. Um, uh, sorry, I'll try that again. So PROs are used alongside clinical measures to track symptoms and assess disease activity over time. And they're also important indicators of quality of life and treatment effectiveness. Uh, and especially that's going to be the case as telemedicine comes in after the, 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 the COVID pandemic. And this is a real world study aimed to understand which PROs patients with rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases consider to be most important to track their disease management. Uh, the analysis included adult patients within the US arthritis power registry, the diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis, fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, psoriatic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and SLE, so pretty broad range. Using a smartphone app, patients selected three to 10 PRO measures to digitally track their condition. Uh, patients were given selections of different PROs covering physical, mental, social health domains, including instruments developed for patients reported outcomes, measurement information system promise, amongst others. Now, each month participants could continue tracking their chosen measures or add, remove, or select different measures. At study completion, participants prioritized up to five measures. Uh, the measures were rank ordered, summed and weighted based on ratings to produce a summary score for each PRO measure. Um, so what was the, the study's finding? Well, 253 patients were enrolled. Patients were approximately 90% white females with an average age of 56. 140 completed the study with no differences in baseline demographic and clinical characteristics compared to the 113 who did not. Uh, it's still a pretty high dropout rate, so we should be conscious of that. Minimal PRO selection changes were observed over the study, except for a decline over time in the OMERACT RA flare instrument. The symptoms that rheumatology patients prioritized were fatigue, physical function, pain intensity, interference, morning joint stiffness, and sleep disturbance. Well, th these findings provide insights into the symptoms that rheumatology patients may find most important uh, and that might be quite important for us as we seek to design future patient-centric clinical trials, real-world evidence generation, and remote patient monitoring in the component of, of virtual healthcare post-pandemic. Um, that said, I think we do need to know a bit more about really how these individual instruments perform, and, and that for me would be something that this study should provoke in future. Well, as I said earlier on, three other papers have been uploaded to the CSF website this month. Uh, these three papers all consider outcomes of trials with different JAK inhibitors. Uh, Philip Conahan and colleagues assess the benefit and risks of paracitinib in ARI across the phase three program. Artie Kavanagh and colleagues review the latest trial data of filgotinib from an open label extension study in the phase two RA program. And finally, a paper from Joel Kremer and colleagues discusses post-approval comparative safety data of tofacitinib and biological disease modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. Well, if you want to see these, all of the publications and all of the rest of the incredibly valuable information, please head over to cytokinesignaling.com. And as always, thanks to you for your attention. I know how challenging these times are. I hope this podcast just refreshes your memory of just that little part of the literature that makes life so interesting and, of course, improves our clinical practice. 
And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. Thanks ever so much. Stay well, stay healthy. Thank <laughs> you.